Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Boston Red Sox 4, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And yep, yeah, your second place Cleveland Guardians, they slipped. Minnesota won last night, so they jumped back up into first. Uh, they've now lost three in a row, your Cleveland Guardians, uh, which, yeah, yeah, a little three-game losing streak here. That's that's no fun. And I don't know if they're going to get a chance to uh, end that today. Uh, the weather in Cleveland is basically pretty crappy today. You got gray skies overhead. They're calling for rain, thunderstorms maybe all day. So we'll see if the Guardians are able to get in a game to get today, get in this finale. If they get rained out, it wouldn't be shocking because that's probably the most consistent thing about this Guardian season. All right, let's get into it. Uh, I do want to really quick before we get into the game, I do want to follow up with Chris in New Jersey's email uh, that we talked about yesterday because I realized after I recorded Chris, I kind of only half answered your question. I got caught up in the whole Nolan Jones, Tyler Freeman side of things. Uh, There are some positions that do clearly need an upgrade. Offensively, the catcher position has been kind of a black hole. Even though Luke Maley hits doubles, uh, every time he actually you know, makes a base hit, they're few and far between. And uh, Austin Hedges has been pretty rough offensively as well. So yeah, I think an upgrade offensively at catcher. I mean, the obvious one is Wilson Contreras with the Cubs. Uh, the former enemy is now my friend maybe, but I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know what their approach is going to be. Bo Naylor has been tearing it up. Uh, he's moved up to Triple A now. Josh's younger brother. If you haven't been paying attention to the minor leagues, he's coming. But yeah, it would be nice to have. I mean, if you really think you have a chance to win this division, it would be nice to have some offensive punch at catcher. Uh, that's an obvious one. And then bullpen, man. I, I'll tell you, bullpen. It's like linemen in football. It's like shooters in basketball. You literally cannot have too many. So if they want to go out and get, I mean, especially Karinchek has not bounced back at AAA from his rehab. He has struggled. That's why he's still down there. Sandlin just went down. We were counting on him this season to be one of those seventh-day inning guys. Uh, it can't be all. Adelo Santos has been all right, although he does struggle in the ninth inning here. Stefan has bounced back lately. But, yeah, I if there was a dominant arm out there that you could get, uh, in a bullpen situation, if you could find someone on another team, I would go get it. And then, frankly, starting pitching—I don't—I don't think our starting pitching has been as dominant as it has it as it has been in years past. So, if there's someone out there, the name that keeps popping into my mind is uh, Tyler May, uh, Malley down in Cincinnati, right? Isn't that like the perfect team to go after for, at the trade deadline for some talent? They would definitely give away. Summer. They've been giving. They gave away their talent during the off season. Why wouldn't they give away more of their talent during the uh, trade deadline? Cincinnati is definitely someone I'm looking at as a trade partner. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I would be looking at for the Guardians to upgrade. Any other position, it's so hard to say because you've got so much talent in the minor league system, just ready to try to take those positions. So, yep, that follows up with Chris's email. And if you want to email into the show, it's clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Give me everything, your thoughts on the game, on the team, on a player, on the trade deadline, on the ownership situation, 
Whatever you got, morning people, I want to talk about it. I want to hear from you. So clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. All right, let's get into this game because, well, for about five innings, we thought we were going to even this series up with Boston, right? We put together a nice two-run rally in the third inning. Bieber is looking okay. He's not giving up the hits, but my God, is he giving up the hard-hit balls. He ends up giving up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 hard-hit balls. 13 shots of 95-plus mile-per-hour exit velocity. And yet, somehow, he only gives up six hits. Uh, Frankly, lucky to maybe only give up those three runs. Uh, The top of the lineup was definitely doing it for Boston. Duran is on base four times. He's four for five with a double. Uh, and an RBI on the day. Coincidentally, though, for being on base four times for having four hits, he doesn't actually score a run. That that was the man. It was a weird game. It was a little bit of a weird game yesterday. They do most of their damage on a three-run home run by Verdugo in that sixth inning. So I want to talk about my top storyline of the day is going to be Shane Bieber and location. Now uh, we know the fastball speed is down. Right, we we know we've been talking about it all season, and yesterday it was ooh, just a slightly above average. He's been averaging ninety point eight miles per hour on that fastball this season. He was averaging ninety one point one yesterday. It didn't matter though because the average exit velocity off that pitch was a hundred point two, a hundred point two. Not one swing and miss on his fastball, but he did have twelve called strikes, which gives that pitch a forty percent CSW. So, technically, it was actually his most effective pitch on the day. The slider had a 23% CSW called strikes plus whiffs. But the exit velocity off everything was hard hit yesterday. Everything averaged 90 plus mile per hour exit velocity. His total average exit velocity on the day was 95.6. Boston hitters averaged, averaged a hard hit ball off him on the day. That's not good. That's not good. And the location was interesting because he got away with some things early in the game. Uh, From watching the highlights, I can go to these pitches here and I can tell you exactly uh, what he was getting away with here. Um, In the, let's see here, top of the second inning, he gets a strikeout of Bobby Dahlbeck to end the inning on a one-two count. He puts a fastball right down the middle at the letters. I'm telling you, right down the middle. And for some reason, it just locks up Bobby Dahlbeck to end that inning, to end that second inning. It's a called strike three on a one-two count. Okay, he gets away with one there. He would not be that lucky later in the game. He also, also, I got to give credit where credit is due. This is a well-located fastball. Raphael Devers to end the third inning on a 3-2 count. He puts one at the knees, slightly in on the left-handed third baseman. On a 3-2 count, he puts one at the knees at 93.1 miles per hour. That's a good Shane Bieber fastball and locks up Devers. Devers couldn't believe it. Devers saw it. it was blow- He thought it was low. He thought he was getting a walk. No, nope. Ump rings him up. 
Devers, he does that thing he does where Devers do- doesn't have big reactions. He doesn't throw the helmet. He doesn't slam the bat or break it over his knee. He just gives you this stare. Uh, somebody had it because they were talking about how Devers was pissed at Quantrill for ringing him up and uh, having a big reaction. And Devers just stares him down as Quantrill's walking off the field. Well, he does the same thing to the umpire here. It's honestly, it's, it's good theater. It's a funny reaction. It's an underplayed reaction, but it's a funny reaction. He just kind of uh, gave the stink eye to the umpire. And I was like, you you really just called that strike three? You you just rang me up? Me, Raphael Devers. You just rang me up with strike three at my knees? I guess he did, Raphael. Uh, so, yeah. So, that is a well-located fastball. So, I don't know what happened on the Dahlbeck fastball that he freezes up. The Devers one, you understand locking someone up at the knees. However... That fastball location at Dahlbeck, he would end up back there in the sixth inning, and he would pay. He would pay for it. So it starts with Jared Jaron Duran, uh, like we said, was hitting everything on the day. He puts a fastball up there, and he shoots it over Palacio's head at the base of the wall in left field. Now, Palacios takes a terrible route on this ball, a terrible route. He turns the wrong direction. He gets all turned around in left field. Palacios is not a natural outfielder. He's trying to make it work. He's athletic out there, but routes to the ball have been something that he struggled with. And it's a reason where, you know, Palacios' overall position uh, is a little bit unsettled where he's going to end up, right? He was a middle infielder at one point, and he's trying to make it work out there. But he Bieber leaves Duran a fastball. It's a 92.3 mile per hour fastball. It's a 1-2 count. Very similar to Dahlbeck. This pitch is just to the left of where Dahlbeck's was. That called strike three on a one-two count. So I don't know if he thought he could sneak another fastball by, but this thing is at the letters, middle of the plate, and Duran pokes it out there in the left field for a double. Now, I thought Duran ran himself out of the inning. Because with uh, that runner on second, there's a pitch in the dirt that kicks just to the left of Hedges. And Duran, lightning fast speed, thinks he's going to take third base. It doesn't go as far as I think he wanted it to go away from Hedges. And Hedges is able to pounce on it, fire down to third base, and they nail Duran. It's a great throw, a great tag by Ramirez, and they nail Duran. And I thought, I thought the Red Sox had just run themselves out of an inning. I was already working on the narrative in my head where the Guardians, you know, Ahmed Rosario had overstepped second base the night before. They had kind of run themselves out of an inning out of a potential rally, and I thought the Red Sox had just done that. But no, they just continue to hit Bieber in this inning. After Devers would fly out uh, to make the second out of the inning, that would bring up J.D. Martinez. Uh, J.D. Martinez would get a knuckle curve on a 1-2 count, but this one he hangs a little bit. This one's at the thighs. He hangs it a little bit, and J.D. Martinez is able to hit that one out into left field for a single, so they have a two-out single. Then he gives another high fastball to Xander Bogarts, and Bogarts shoots this one through for a single out into right field, and now they've got runners on first and second. So a little two-out rally going here. I'm still thinking in my head they ran themselves out of an inning, right? Because I'm thinking to myself that J.D. Martinez single would have brought in Durant. Then I'm thinking that Xander Bogarts single definitely would have brought in Durant. Maybe Martinez goes to second on the throw home, and now that single from Bogarts would bring in Martinez. So I'm still thinking in my head, 
Maybe they ran themselves out of an inning. And then Verdugo comes up, and he falls into a 2-0 hole to Verdugo, throws him a curveball. This thing was definitely set up to be on the outside edge, down and away on the outside edge. He ends up throwing it at the belt inside to Verdugo, misses his location, and Verdugo makes him pay. Makes him pay 108.8 mile per hour exit velocity, 400 plus feet. This thing is absolutely crushed, and it's a missed location. Absolutely missed location by Shane Bieber with this curveball, and it's something he's going to be thinking about until his next start. 447 feet at a 29-degree launch angle. This thing has a 1,000 expected batting average. No doubt about it, home run from Verdugo. So I thought they ran themselves out of the inning. I really did. Two singles on what I'm going to say is bad location. He kind of does hang the curveball to Martinez, which foreshadows the curveball he's about to hang to Verdugo, and he leaves those fastballs up for Bogarts and Duran. So yeah, so he loses his control. He loses his command a little bit in the sixth inning, and he pays for it. You know, 3-2 lead is all Boston's going to need. They put on that insurance run in the ninth. So yeah, Bieber does... It, it gets ugly for him the later it gets in the game. Mandy Bell had this in her article. I double-checked these numbers, and yeah, that ERA jumps to a 6-10 in the sixth inning, a 7-11 in the seventh inning, and an 18.00 in the eighth inning. So yeah, past the sixth, through five innings, Bieber has been really solid. But it jumps. The whip jumps up to a 1-4-5 and a 1-4-2 in the sixth and seventh inning. It jumps when he gets that late in the game. So maybe there is a ceiling right now to Bieber. I mean, I remember the way Tampa Bay used to use Snell, right? He'd get through five innings two times through the lineup, and he's out of there. So there is something about that third time through the lineup. Hedges had a comment after the game where he didn't think that the sequencing or anything was wrong, that they they just were able to make good swings on the ball. I don't know if it's the sequencing, but it definitely is the location. The location is starting to slip when you get into that 6th, 7th inning. So it's something to see if Bieber can can go late in a game, if he can go long in a game. Uh, We need it out of your ace. You need your ace to be able to go 6, 7 innings. Uh, He goes 7 innings against Oakland on April 30th. He goes 7 innings against the Tigers on May 22nd and then follows it up with 8 innings against the Tigers on the 28th. Now, he lost that game on the 20, May 22nd. He wins the game on the 28th against the Tigers in back-to-back starts, but goes deep in those games. Uh, let's see here. He went seven innings against the Orioles and gets the win on uh, June 3rd. And then he went seven innings in this one against the Red Sox. So, uh, although he takes the loss in this one. So, yeah, so he has gone deep in some games this season. It hasn't all been short starts this season, but the numbers are showing that there is some regression when he gets late into a game. So, something we're going to have to keep an eye on for Shane Bieber. Uh, Speaking of it, while we're talking Boston hitting and while we're talking Cleveland pitching, uh, coming out for the eighth inning would be Trevor Steffen, and that was one of the crazier innings you will ever see out of the bullpen. You want to talk about creating high leverage for yourself. He gives up 103.8 mile per hour single to Duran to lead off the inning. He gives up 110.9 mile per hour single to Devers. uh, And then he walks J.D. Martinez. 
So now he's got bases loaded, nobody out, and now he's got to go through. I mean, the heart of the order for this Red Sox team really is one through six. This is a freaking deep lineup. This offense is relentless. It's a, this is a tough team, Boston. This is this is a, the AL East is no freaking joke this year, and we could beat up on the AL Central all we want, but until we beat an AL East team and not the Orioles, we I don't know if we can consider ourselves contenders. I don't know if anyone in the American League can consider themselves contenders if they can't compete with the AL East. But the fact that you have you deal with. Duran, Devers, and Martinez, and you still got to face Bogarts, Verdugo, and Trevor Story. That's a brutal lineup right there. But he gets the ground out from Bogarts. They go home. They can't turn the double play. It's a good job by Andres Jimenez. They then get the ground out from Verdugo. He grounds out to first. They go home again and get the force out at home. Can't turn the double play. And then finally, he strikes out Trevor Story. What an at-bat that was. Uh, Trevor Steffen doing everything he can to keep us in the game. And uh, he ends up blowing him away, eventually with a fastball up. He gets him on three pitches. He paints the outside edge with a fastball for a called strike one, gets him to chase a slider and foul it off for strike two, and then blows him away with a 97.8, basically 98-mile-per-hour fastball above, up at the shoulders, above the strike zone, and he blows Trevor Story away. So... Trevor Steffen gets Trevor Story. Frankly, is it a good job or a bad job out of the bullpen when you load the bases but then get out of it? Like I say, it was pretty impressive. It was a, it was a stressful inning, but it was pretty impressive to see him get out of it. Uh, but then, unfortunately, uh, in the ninth inning, De Los Santos does give up an insurance run. Plowecki with a double. Uh, it puts runners, Bobby Dahlbeck had walked to lead off the inning, Plowecki with a one-out double, puts runners on second and third, and Duran, of course, with another single up the middle. This time, it could have been a two-run uh, inning, but uh, Straw makes a strong throw home and throws out Plowecki at the plate. What is it with ex-Cleveland Guardians that barely played here getting like revenge games against us? Christian Arroyo? Oh, Arroyo was running for Plowecki, so he's the one that was thrown out the plate. Is that two nights in a row? That Arroyo has been thrown out at home plate? I think it is. He was the one that was gunned down by Oscar Gonzalez the night before. So two nights in a row. Boy, Arroyo, I don't know if you want to be using him as a pinch runner. That's not a lucky pinch runner right there. Um, but yeah, Arroyo the night before, and now Plowecki, guys that had a cup of coffee with Cleveland, suddenly having revenge games against us. Uh, Plowecki, two for four on the day with the double and almost a run scored there. Uh, except his pinch runner Arroyo was thrown out at the plate. So it's a good job by Straw. I mean, we got to give Straw credit where it's due. It's a good throw, comes up firing, and nails that runner. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between a 3-2 game, there's a bigger difference between a 4-2 game, and there's a huge difference in a 5-2 game. So to throw him out at the plate there actually meant something. I mean, it gave the Guardians a chance. You get a guy on, and you hit a home run in that ninth inning, and suddenly you tie the game. They just couldn't do it. They didn't get the guy on. No, they didn't get the guy on. That's the that's the second inning. This is a great transition to the Guardians' offense because they had guys on base all night, just not in that ninth inning. The ninth inning was only one of two innings where they go one, two, three in the game. The ninth inning, and I believe was it the fifth inning, they go one, two, three. Other than that, this Guardians team had guys on base all day. Quan was trying everything he could do from the leadoff spot. He had a single. He had a walk. He eventually comes in to score. So he's on base his first two times up in this game. 
But this time, they can't really get a rally going again in the first inning. Two nights in a row now, Quan has led off with a single, and they can't do anything with it in that first inning. Uh, Rosario would hit into the double play right after him. Uh, back-to-back singles in the second inning from Owen Miller and Richie Palacios. Two out singles, but it brings up Austin Hedges, who strikes out. So you can't get any two-out magic going there. The third inning, they finally put the rally together. Quan walks. Ahmed Rosario hits a, a triple in Progressive Field. Progressive Field is not a triples park, but it feels like Ahmed Rosario turns it into a triples park. He goes 106.2 miles per hour, uh, 340, 16-degree uh, launch angle, so it has 640 expected batting average. I feel like we've just been talking about that a lot lately, so I figured, lately, so I figured I'd tell you. But yeah, he hits it perfectly in the gap. It's like the first thing that Duran didn't run down in the outfield. I mean, their outfield defense, by the way, is ridiculous. Doesn't feel like they've been running down everything, absolutely everything out there. So that's Ahmed Rosario's second triple this year in progressive field. Uh, He's also had one in Coors, Kauffman Stadium, which is a big ballpark, and one in Target Field in Minnesota. But yeah, progressive field, not known for giving up many triples, but he gets one there. So it's a good job of hitting from Ahmed Rosario. And then Ramirez doesn't get a hit on the day. The hit streak comes to an end. But he is able to get the sacrifice fly here in the third inning with that runner on third base and less than two outs. You had a feeling that Jose Ramirez was going to bring him in. And he does. He gets the sack fly, drives in Ahmed Rosario, and the Guardians take that 2-0 lead. But that would be it. Ah, God, every time you thought maybe a little rally was going to get together, Andres Jimenez singles the lead off the fourth. They can't bring him in. Uh, they go one, two, three in the fifth inning. In the sixth inning, Fermil Reyes with a nice single, but they can't do anything with it. By the way, if Fermil Reyes is just hitting singles in a right field for now, I'm fine with that. Like, the home runs will come, but seeing him square up a ball, uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's been going for Fermil Reyes since he came back for that injury, but it feels like he's making more contact lately, and uh, it's been a little bit better since he's come back from the injury. Uh, but yeah, it's a single here in the sixth, and they can't bring him in. Oscar Gonzalez with a leadoff single in the seventh. Austin Hedges walks. They got something going. This The seventh inning bothered me because it's a, it's a 3-2 game in this seventh inning. I thought this was a chance here. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel about bunting. Some people are perfectly fine with the bunt. Some people absolutely hate the bunting. It's the worst play in baseball. Some people would try to bunt every time they're up. I feel like Andres Jimenez tries to bunt every time he's up. But in this situation, it's Miles Straw. Hedges draws a walk. He actually gets on base. Gonzalez is on second, a good runner. With Miles Straw, your nine hitter, I'm dropping down a bunt here. I am sacrificing bunting to get these guys into scoring position. It's a one-run game. Instead, he lets Miles Straw swing away, and he ends up flying out. Shallow enough that Gonzalez can't even tag up and go to third. So he does not get that runner to third base. Now, would it have mattered? Because Quan ends up striking out and Ahmed Rosario end up striking out right behind him to end the inning. So would it have mattered? Yes. You don't know. It's the butterfly effect. Anything could have changed with that runner on third base. It changes everything. I am bunting there with Miles Straw. I thought it was a bad decision. I thought it was a bad decision from Furcona not to have Straw bunt there. Straw's... He's a center fielder. He's a speed guy. He's your number nine hitter. He should be able to drop down a bunt. Even if he can't leg it out for a hit, to get that runner to third, to get Gonzalez to third base is huge for Quan. 
with one out, it creates so many scenarios where he can score. Now, Quan eventually strikes out, but but I think that was a huge mistake not having Straw Bunt in the seventh inning. Uh, Fermil Reyes would draw a walk in the eighth, but they can't do anything with it. And then the ninth, they go one, two, three. And that's your ball game. That's your ball game right there. So it started out looking like it might be the Guardians' day, and then the Red Sox come by late and steal this one, take this one. That sucked. That really sucked. I was I was annoyed because I was feeling good for five innings. I was feeling really good for five innings. I thought the Guardians got this one right. They got their two-run rally. They were continuing to get on base. I thought something else was going to happen. It just never did. The big hit just was not there aside from Ahmed Rosario's triple. They just couldn't find another big hit anywhere in this lineup. Once again, they only have one extra base hit on the night. The night before, it was the solo home run. To last night, it was Ahmed Rosario's triple. That's it. The only extra base hit on the day. This offense doesn't work if you're not loading up a couple of doubles, a couple of extra base hits to get these rallies really going. So, yeah, the offense falters, and uh, you know, Bieber just can't hold it. And the Red Sox end up taking this thing 4-2. to two. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. We'll see if they get the game in today. I hope they do. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Red Sox 4, the Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.